So Revelation 15, verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvellous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thy King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. So this passage in Revelation 15 that we have read, the reason it's here is to reassure believers. You see, what's about to happen is that the seven angels are about to unleash the seven vials of God's wrath. Vials it just means bowls. So the picture is uh, of, of the angels and each one of them has a bowl. And it's full of the wrath of God. And that wrath, that righteous anger of the Creator is about to be poured out on those who have rejected the gospel who inhabit the earth. But just before this final deluge of judgment comes, you have this, what we could call an interlude, where the the focus is on heaven. Just before John describes the outpouring of wrath upon the earth, he lifts our vision to heaven and to the, the end result. When the saints have arrived at their, their heavenly home and all the persecution and all the trials and all the hardships are over forevermore. And so we have this wonderful interlude, this wonderful description of the Christians in heaven rejoicing around the throne. Look at the scene here with me, first of all. Look at the scene in the first two verses. And then in verses 3 and 4, we're going to listen to the song. We can listen to the song. But first of all, look at the scene here. Verse 1, and I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. So you've got the seven angels here who are the friends of the Christians. You remember that, folks, angels love believers. If you're a believer, the angels love you and they're guarding you day and night. But these seven angels who are the the friends of believers, boy, they're the enemy of those who are unbelievers. And these angels, these, these messengers, are going forth with their plagues. That's the word that's used here, the seven last plagues. 
The word plague should immediately cause us to think back to the book of Exodus and the ten plagues that God poured out upon Egypt. The connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The plagues. What was it that Pharaoh said? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? I know not the Lord, neither will I hearken to his voice. Boy, there's a lot of pharaohs in the world today, isn't there? A lot of heathen pagan rulers today. And this is their attitude. They're they're just modern day pharaohs. But don't worry about it. The Lord's going to deal with them all. Every last one of them. In his own time. But the Lord pours out the plagues on Egypt. Upon a rebellious king and a rebellious nation. The Lord had given them the opportunity to let his people go. The uh, Jews were in a prison. You see, Egypt was one massive big prison for the Jews. By the way, there's people in the world today, rulers in the world today, who want to turn this world into one massive big prison. I'll say more about that in a wee minute. But it was like a prison. And the Lord comes to release the prisoners, because hallelujah, Psalm 146 The Lord looseth the prisoners. If you're a prisoner to the devil today, the Lord can release you. Oh, I can't do it. And if Brother John Weir was here today, he'd say he couldn't do it either. And there's no pastor nor evangelist in the land or in the world who can release the prisoners that are in Satan's jail. But the Lord Jesus Christ can do it. He alone can do it. We'll say more about that tonight, God willing. In the, as we speak to the Orange Brethren, we're planning tonight to speak on the Jubilee. You know, Leviticus 25. And then the Lord Jesus talked about it in Luke 4. The Jubilee and what he had come to do in the Jubilee. But the Lord is able to release the prisoners. And so the Lord comes down into Egypt And he brings his people out by the blood of the Lamb and he rains the plagues down in Egypt. And you see, God is not not mocked and whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you shake your fists in the face of God, don't be surprised, but what goes around comes around and then God will start to shake his fist at you and it will not be pleasant. The plagues... So throw back to Egypt. And then verse 2, And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. So there's a sea of glass here. It was described in chapter 7 of Revelation on a previous occasion that we looked at. But here it is, this sea of glass. It's the crystal sea, isn't it? Remember the hymn writer said, Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory, gathered by the crystal sea. You know, the hymn writer didn't just pluck those words out of the air. He He based them on 
Revelation 15, this sea of glass, crystal sea. Are you going to gather by the crystal sea someday? It's nice to go to the seaside, isn't it? The wee boys and girls love to be at the beach. Well, here's the heavenly seaside, seaside, as it were. It's the, the sea of glass. And I tell you, these believers are having a good time. It's jubilation, isn't it? You do know that's a word that's connected with jubilee. Jubilation, jubilant, means to rejoice. Thank God we who are saved, we can rejoice today, no matter if everything's going wrong around us. Because we are saved by grace, our names are written in heaven. And you remember that Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Rejoice not that the devils are subject unto you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. It's not easy to do it, but you, you, you can do it with the help of the Spirit. It's not easy to do when you're suffering and sickness is weighing you down or a loved one who's ill and your heart is broken for them. You're having problems in your family or with your job or, I mean, the list just goes on. So many burdens that you're carrying, but thank God the Holy Spirit can enable you to rejoice, to be jubilant. That's the way it is for these believers here in Revelation 15. This is the church triumphant that we sung about at the start of the service. And they're on a sea of glass. The sea of the glass, of course, speaks of the purity of the Lord. He, he's completely transparent. He's, he's spotless. The holiness of the Lord that we thought about on Thursday night. And remember those of you who were there, we said that Christ is our holiness. And if you want to be in heaven, you'll need Christ and you'll need his holiness. Because your own attempted holiness isn't good enough. It's never good enough to open the pearly gates. But even this sea of glass here reminds us of the holiness, the purity of our blessed Savior. And that's why these people are here. You see, Romans 5, as by one man's disobedience, many were condemned. Even by the obedience of one, many are made righteous, Paul said. It's good to have the righteousness of Christ today. And so these believers, they're rejoicing because they've got the victory, it says, over the beast or the Antichrist. There's a man who is going to rise up at the end of the age, just before the rap, just before the, the sound of the trumpet, just before the, just before the end of the age and before the Lord comes back to rule, there's going to be a man who's going to take authority in the world and the Bible calls him the beast and the Antichrist. And he's going to be like a modern day Pharaoh. Only he's going to dwarf Pharaoh with his wickedness and his evil. And his hatred of the Lord. And he's going to have an evil system that he's going to build. I want to tell you folks, I believe he's building that system today. Now I know I've touched on it in the past, but I want to try to make it practical. 
what, what's happening in the world today. Did you know that uh, just uh, a recent article that I read, and this is the headline now, Nokia CEO says 6G will render smartphones obsolete by 2030 and will be integrated into your body instead. You won't need to, to hold a phone in your hand. All that you'll need will be inside your body. Oh, that's getting close to the bone, isn't it? The mark of the beast. Here's what the article goes on to say. During the recent World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, Nokia CEO Pekka Lundmark said that smartphone technology will be hardwired into people's bodies by 2030. Made possible by 6G. I mean, some of you haven't a clue what I'm talking about. You, you maybe haven't even heard of 5G. 5G is the whole rage now, isn't it? But no, 5G is going to be left behind because it's going to be 6G before long. And you'll not need your phone because the phone, in a sense, will be in your body. You'll go about every day. And all that you'll need will be under your skin. In, in 6G, mankind merges with the machine, becoming a cyborg in an, in, in an autonomous city and constant interconnectivity to the grid and the internet, along with a slew of other things as well. Just reading this morning, actually, that Jamaica has become the first country in the world to make central bank digital currency legal tender. In other words, you can buy and sell without cash. This, what you call cryptocurrency, you're allowed to use it today in Jamaica. It's going to become legal tender. After working on it for the past year, Jamaica has quietly become the first nation to roll out a central bank digital currency in a move away from cash and physical currencies. Can you see the system of Antichrist being built? It's been built all around us, folks, today. For those who are wide awake, but the problem is that there's a lot of people in the Western church that are fast asleep. They haven't woke up yet. And I just pray that they'll wake up before it's too late. But if you're saved today, you don't need to fear these things that we're talking about. No, we're not talking about them today to to frighten you, although those of you who are not saved, you ought to be frightened, very frightened. But we're just uh, mentioning these things so that, that you know that, that the enemy is going to do this, but then the Lord's going to come along and he's going to take a wrecking ball and just wreck the whole thing. And he's going to have the last laugh. You see, you notice here in verse 2 it says that these Christians, 
They got victory over the beast. And then it goes on. Notice what it goes on to say. There's, there's The word over is mentioned a number of times here. Over his image. The image that will be set up in the, the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. The image of the Antichrist that people will be forced to worship. Well, hallelujah, we as believers, we overcome his image, the image of the Antichrist, through the image of the invisible God. Now get that, because that's one of the titles of the Lord Jesus. He's called the image of the invisible God. God is a spirit, that's what the catechism says. But God has revealed himself in Christ He's the image of the invisible God. Oh yes, the Antichrist has his image, but hallelujah, God the Father also has his image. His only begotten Son. And that's the only image that we believers will ever worship. And we overcome the image of the Antichrist, the the image of the beast, through the image of the invisible God. But it says that they overcame his mark. They overcame his mark. How did they overcome his mark? The mark of the beast. You know all the 6G technology and all the all that the enemy's putting together today that 99% of the population don't even know about and don't realize is happening. How do we overcome the mark? Well, you see, it's by the marks in his hands, not the hands of the Antichrist. Now, the hands of Jesus, the marks of his passion. And he still bears those marks in heaven today. Those marks, those wounds in the body of the Lord Jesus are the guarantee that you will be in heaven and I will be in heaven those of us who are trusting in Christ. It's our, it's our guarantee. A cast iron guarantee that will not let us down the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know those marks are the only man-made thing in heaven? The only man-made thing in heaven. Our Savior's wounds. Thank God we overcome by them. And then it says they overcame, they, they overcame the number of his name. Boy, we could go into that today, the 666. There's somebody was saying recently, it just came to my attention, this Google, you know, the is it Google Chrome? If you look closely at the symbol, it's, you can see the three sixes, work out the, the outline of the three sixes. But it's the number of the beast. Mind you a lot that you would see in Google wouldn't be good for your spiritual health, would it? Oh yes, there's a lot of good stuff on it. And the gospel's going forth, but I tell you, a lot of evil on it too. The devil's using it. The number of his name... How do these believers in Revelation 15 overcome this, this, this 666? How do we overcome it today? We overcome it by the name of Jesus. Another name. Not the name of the Antichrist. Now no, the name of Christ. 
Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then, where'er you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Look at the scene. Ah, but listen to the song now. Listen to the song. Verse 3, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. There are two songs here. The song of Moses and then the song of the Lamb. The song of Moses was sung at the Red Sea. The song of the Lamb is sung at the Crystal Sea. The song of Moses was was a song of triumph over Egypt. The song of the Lamb is a song of triumph over Babylon. The song of Moses told how God brought his people out. The song of the Lamb tells how God brings his people in. The song of Moses was the first song in Scripture. The song of the Lamb will be the last song in Scripture. Two wonderful songs. It's good to sing. Of course, a lot of churches didn't sing there for a while, wasn't it? Because you know what? You, you, know, you might be putting people in danger, spreading the virus. I watched a wee video where there was a lady and she did a wee experiment. She had a candle. And she sung in front of the candle at the top of her voice and the flame didn't go out. And then she whispered and the flame went out. Boy, I don't think singing would have harmed too many people. And yet there was a whole lot of churches fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. And nobody was praising the Lord. Nobody was singing the praises of Jesus who shed his blood. The church was silent. How could it be? And has anybody repented? Oh no, most churches are just going along pretending that it never happened. And then everybody's talking about the Lord being grieved with so-and-so for he did that or so-and-so and she did this. And nobody talks about the fact that for two years... Some churches were not singing on to the Lord. And people expect revival and people expect the Lord to bless and to move. Oh, folks, I think there's need for repentance, isn't there? Oh, but you can't say that. I've just said it. Because as I told the folks on Thursday night, as believers, we are not to be concerned with with the approval of others. We are to be concerned with the approval of our Savior. And he is worthy of our praises. And it's hard to believe how people who profess the name of Christ... Even men in pulpits, how they could be deceived so easily. It's unreal. Unbelievable. 
He's worth praising, singing his praises from morning until night. The lamb who was slain, is he not worthy of our praises? You notice here it goes on to say, Great and marvellous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, verse 4, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are are made manifest. Did you notice, folks, how full this song is of the Lord? You see, the problem with a lot of modern songs today, not all of them, but most of them, the problem is that the lyrics are all to do with us. It's all about our feelings, our emotions. It's all about us, not about the Lord. That's the problem. But this song here in Revelation 15, it's all about the Lord, and that's a proper song of worship. You notice they're singing how great he is because they say, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. How great thou art, that's what they're singing. Then they're singing how good thou art, because they sing just and true are thy ways, thy king of saints. Then they sing how glorious thou art, because they sing who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name. They are singing about the virtue of the Lord, because they sing for thou only art holy. They're singing about the victory of the Lord. All nations shall come and worship before thee. They are singing about the vengeance of the Lord. Thy judgments are made manifest. There is not a word in this song about themselves, their doings, their sayings, their feelings. Not a syllable about what they have done It's all about the Lord. Every word is about him. How different from so many modern hymns today, which are full of sentimentality instead of adoration. So many modern songs recount our own experiences instead of his mercies. So many modern songs speak more of our attainment than his atonement. And the great need is that in our singing, we would return to a place where we exalt the Lord. Look at the scene. Listen to the song. There's a whole lot of us who are gathered here this morning. We're going to be part of that song someday. So uh, let's tune up. Let's put in the practice while we're down here on earth. But maybe there's someone here today and you're not sure that you're going to be in that throng as they sing the song of Moses of the Lamb. Well, you need to, to be sure, and thank God you can be sure. You can make your calling and election sure. But you need to sort it out today. Today. Let's have our final hymn, 541, 541.
with harps and with vials. There stands a great throng in the presence of Jesus and sings this new song. Unto him who hath loved us and washed us from sin, unto him be the glory forever. Amen. That's what's all about, folks, as long as he gets the glory. As long as the preacher doesn't get the glory, as long as the Lord gets the glory. That's all that matters. Let's give him the glory in our final hymn, please. Thank mm-hmm. you.